Aloha, everyone. Welcome. This is Matt Beal. I'm uh, filling in for Katie Minkus, who is the Hawaii Life Procast uh, host. And um, this is the number two episode of the Worth Shop edition of this podcast. And I am thrilled today to bring on uh, a longtime friend, a huge uh, Worth Shop confidant and sort of co-contributor and co-conspirator, Matthew Ferrara, who is a philosopher, speaker, writer, and photographer. Welcome, Matthew. Thanks, Matt. It's uh, it's good to be with you today. So, I, I, you, to me, I think everyone, I would hope that everyone that's listening to this, uh, you know, unless we just go crazy and really just spread it worldwide, uh, has some sense of you and who you are and your work. But just in case uh, there are the few that don't, uh, share with us who's Matthew Ferrara and what's what's your world and what does it mean to be a philosopher in 2016? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, I mean, on one hand, there's sort of the everyday picture of Matthew Ferrara. I have been, uh, for the last 25 years, traveling the world as uh, a professional speaker. And uh, much of that space has been related to where I actually started my sales career. So a long time ago, I was getting a degree in uh, philosophy, which I can come back to. And, you know, it, it, the funny story is my mother said, well, what are you going to do with that? So I went back to school and <laughs> and I said, well, I'll try again and, you know, get a degree in political economics. And she said, you're really not making this any better. And <laughs> so <laughs> the irony was I was I was doing some talk radio and I was taking some classes and I met a wonderful, wonderful lady who was in real estate. And that's how I got sucked into the real estate industry. And she said, uh, you know, hey, if you can do talk radio, you can do real estate. And I said, really? And uh, and I did. <laughs> it's the funniest, you know, origin story in a way. But I, I got into real estate, did it for a while, and really discovered that I liked um, the inside of it. And that was making my co-realtors smarter. I was teaching at the board, et cetera. And that began in 91 uh, with classes for my broker, for my board, for my state. And then, you know, 10 years later, I had been to every state except one in America. And since then, I've been around the world with it. And I, you know, so on the on the front end of it, sure, I'm a speaker. I teach classes. I do retreats. I do workshops. I do workshops. Um, and not all of it's real estate or sales. You know, I actually do creative writing classes for professionals. I so there's, you know, a big variety, I guess, if you will. And some of that has come about, if I could circle back to the philosophy side, you know, about eight or nine years ago, I was, like many other people, kind of, you know, in, in a role. I was teaching sales and marketing and technology and a lot of technology stuff was so popular that my phone was ringing off the hook. And I sort of woke up one day and I said, well, this is fun and sure, I'm making some money and making great friends, but... I think I can do something more. And that's really where I started to go back to my um, pre-speaking origins, really my love of philosophy and and thinking, if you will. And uh, and that's where I, I literally took a risk one day. I said, you know what, if I, if I call myself something different, maybe I'll have to act a little differently. Interesting. And, uh, 
Yeah, well, it's a funny story I tell for salespeople too. I say, if you don't call yourself a salespeople, you won't person, you won't act like a salesperson. If you want to call yourself something else, an advisor or consultant or something else, well, that's great. You'll advise and consult, but you won't make any sales. Right. Well, <laughs> that's true for me too. If I only call myself a training expert or a social media guru, or whatever, I will do those things really well. But I was sort of challenging myself to. Uh, to do, add something more to the conversation and say, I said, well, who can add the most to a conversation? That's got to be, that's got to be my old, my old world of, of being a philosopher. So I, I literally, once again, just took a risk and I added it to my signature file and I sent it, you know, it happened to be corresponding to an old friend that day who was in real estate and I tried the new signature file and he wrote back, hey, I, I see you have a new signature file. And I wrote back, yes, uh, what do you think? And then literally it was about a 10 minute gap in the email and he wrote back, <laughs> I, I, he said, I think it's, I think it's awesome. And I said, really? And he said, it's what you've always done, whether you knew it or not. And literally from that day forward, I, I really sort of reconfigured my, my contribution to come from a philosophical space first. And I used the speaking and the training uh, skills really as the delivery mechanism, if you will. I love it. It's interesting, you know, I, my first real sort of introduction to you was probably at, and I, I hate to, you know, make it sound sort of marginal, but it was probably at like a leading RE conference or some, something where I wasn't, you know, totally engaged, uh, because I knew you and I knew of your work before the workshop. I just, I, I just can't remember in what context or how it, you know, and not that you weren't that memorable is probably way more because I was, you know, being distracted. But then uh, it must have been, well, let's see, it was Worth Shop 3, so that would have been 2013. Mm-hmm. Our mutual friend, Mark Davison of Thousand Watt Consulting, he was really the one who enrolled you into this sort of, at the time, I, what sounded like kind of a radical idea, which was, going completely off script and being the the sort of closer of the event. So your job was to like sum up everything that had happened in these two days. And it was a, a really, I mean, that was like the first event where we, it was a two day format. It went really long. We had a lot of speakers and, you know, from my perspective, that's that, and I'm not just blowing smoke. That's one of the best, performances I've seen at workshop <laughs> since because it was literally it was so in a moment and it was such a brilliant recap of of what we had been through those two days uh what was that like for you I mean kind of do you remember that was it I know you not your you mean you speak all the time but no no I I remember that as sort of a pivotal moment um that coincided with what I was trying to do for myself and for my career and Mark uh, Davison definitely was a catalyst for that because before he asked me to do that, we had had many a conversation, sort of about you know what do, what is your real contribution and when when what are you you know what do you think people want from you and and he challenged me and I actually discovered through the, our conversations that what a lot of people. I think we're really hiring me for, and this sounds kind of weird, is the conversation the night before the keynote speak, speeches. So I would, you know, fly in and have dinner with owners of 
of huge companies and successful firms. And, you know, over and over again, I would hear the same thing when I was being introduced the next day, which was, you know, we almost uh, called off today's program just so we could steal a few more hours having a meal um, with Matthew. And I really discovered, in a sense, that's what people wanted. They wanted a chance to just sort of have a conversation with me, not a script, not a presentation, not a... Um, uh, uh, sort of uh, stale or repetitive experience. They wanted it to go wherever my brain goes, and that's just sort of um, the way my brain works. Is it, it's sort of like a, uh, I guess, a human Google, you know, where it sort of just creates these weird <laughs> connections. It just creates weird connections, and we go off on tangents. You know, it's funny. You always say we go down the rabbit hole. Well, that's because, and I don't really know how it works, but my brain just sort of has these electric connections to things that are suddenly often science or history or art or whatever it is, philosophy, obviously. Anyways, getting back to where Mark came from, you know, he he basically challenged me to let my mind work the way it really works. Um, and while I thought I had always created sort of interesting uh, programs where I could go off on these tangents, he basically said, why don't you just have a series of tangents? Why don't you come to workshop and let your mind do what it does in a dinner conversation, which is listen to what people are saying, see connections, and contribute to the conversation, and, and not in a planned way, almost like this conversation. We, it's not planned. I don't have a script. I don't know where we're going to go, but I know and trust, learned to trust my brain. And the truth is, that particular workshop, I was really quite nervous. I mean, I knew I had speaking skills and could call upon, you know, all those talents. And if I really was failing, could come up with a sort of stale joke or whatever. But I took it really seriously. I took a lot of notes. And I was super attentive in all the presentations. You know, I turned off my phone. In fact, it's one of the things I said in my in my, uh, uh, I guess, presentation, but really just my conversation, my summary was, you know, if you're going to be somewhere and you've got some work to do, you've got to really be there. And it was a little nerve-wracking, but I was so thrilled with what happened afterwards. Um, and not even necessarily just because people enjoyed it, but because in a sense it, it um, was for me a watershed moment where I was willing to now go on uh, stage and have some idea of where we were going, but not necessarily have a really set roadmap. And since then, I have been asked many times, of course at Worthshop, but in other places, to literally just do that. Come and listen and be the wrap-up guy, and don't worry about what you'll say in advance. Don't send us any extra slides. Uh, just do what you do. And of course, for me, the beautiful thing is that I often connect the what's going on at a conference with the images that I'm able to capture in my photography. So sometimes I'll just make notes of particular photographs that I've taken in my mind, make a list of them, and then when I go to wrap up, I just call them up on screen one at a time and say, you know, as I was listening to this, it reminded me of this moment, and here are the connections that I right. did. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was it pushed me. It was pretty scary, um, uh, but I do think that's what happens with breakthroughs. You take these amazing risks. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to have done it, and but since then, it's really changed what I do. Um, I think it, I, I, I think get it paid really changed. I think it really changed the whole event, and and not just that particular 
session. I think it changed the workshop series uh, for, for more reasons than one. I mean, that the theme that year, I remember, was simple. And mm-hmm. we had That's great right. great speakers, great presentations. And you, you, your ability, and a, a lot of this is probably also the context that you have, you know, the, the number of businesses that you work with, the themes that run through those businesses, the, the you know, conversations that you're sort of redeploying. And the, the ability to call out the best of what was said, because in any given conference, and this is sort of the, the workshop's origin story, really, is that at any given event, you're you're going to get, you know, one or two great nuggets or some percentage of really powerful sort of revolutionary, you know, context-changing, enrolling, moving, inspiring stuff that you then take home and it... it changes your profession or you you changes you take it to your whole business and you you and maybe it's one of those things that like kind of you know diet and exercise in January like you're into it for a minute and then it fades but nonetheless that that's that's your takeaway and the inspiration for workshop was you know early on we were invited to these events sometimes to speak and sometimes to participate and you know you'd see the Matthew Ferrars of the world is you think, oh, this is great stuff. I, I want to bring it, you know, home for our crew here. And in Hawaii, we're we're kind of outside the circuit, right? No one, the, the conference circuit, it doesn't really make sense to fly 2,000 miles to, you know, for all intents and purposes, a, a relatively small market to put on an event that you hope a lot of different people attend. I mean, usually the, the sort of events in Hawaii gets are like, salesman of the year you know they send out 100 <laughs> salespeople and it's a party it's not a it's not a conference right and so it 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 changed and so then we realized of course okay that's really expensive and and we had to kind of uh open it up and i think in some ways sort of naively it was like well there's nothing proprietary about what you know the the matthew ferraris or anita albertis or any of these people are saying Anyone can go get that information. So let's let's invite our, you know, co-opetition and and our all of our friends and and in some cases maybe our frenemies, and maybe they would get a benefit out of this. And then that was like, okay, it's a little weird because there's sort of this recruitment culture in real estate, and people mm. are like, you know, why are you having an event? And you know, and I think over the years that's softened a little bit because we've kind of proven that we really are you know, committed to the content. And so it, it's grown. And one of the real key things that happened at that very event, that workshop three, before you went on, I don't know if you remember this, but talk about a, a real pivot and the direction of the entire series was, I don't know if you remember, and I, I, I'm not going to use this speaker's name just because I don't want to I don't want to poo-poo it, but you created a very powerful distinction where I had inherited a speaker that was because a different uh, a local title company was putting on an event. I didn't want to have competition, and I wanted a, anyone that wanted to go to that to be able to go to ours as well and on and on. So we just kind of absorbed that event. And it was a long-form speaker, and it was very inside baseball. It was very sort of real estate scripts and, you know, say this and do that, and here's what you do. And... It was so, just intuitively, it was like not what I wanted to 
deliver at the worst shop. And I remember I was kind of like tense and watching it. And just it, For me, it was like nails on a chalkboard, like, oh, this is not what I wanted <laughs> to do. That's right. And yet, yet the audience was into it. They were, they were like, you know, writing stuff down and they were, they were into it and watching and, and I was standing in the back of the room with you and I said, you know, what, what is it? Why are people so into this? And you, it was so great what you said. You said, because people in real estate love to be told what to do, not how to think. And ever since then, I'm, I've been on, I don't know why, maybe also naively, I've been on this mission to be in the conversation about how to think because they're, the information about what to do to me is just ubiquitous. It's like you, mm-hmm. there are innumerable locations to find the five greatest apps that you should download or like conversations about lead conversion or lead generation or, you know, that stuff isn't hard to come by. What's hard to come by is how to think, you know, should right. we really be, be engaged in these conversations? Like maybe, maybe this whole context is wrong. And I know that's a little, um, yeah, it's, a, it's like a little nebulous. Like it, it, that's the point. It is hard, because it's hard to talk about how to think. But that's what we wanted to create. And I think we've done an okay job at that in the years past. I mean, I, well, I, I guess I, I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I think you've done an amazing job with that. And, and so let me just unpack that a little bit because it, it really is why I actually consider Worthshop to be really more of an experience than a conference. I mean, it's called a conference mostly because that's the only way really to package it, if you will. But around the world, places that or organizations that really want to help people change behavior, change their thinking, uh, um, you know, they really have these experiences. You you go on an adventure. You go on an experience of something. And I, I consider every workshop a sort of, mini experience along a certain way of thinking. And, and it is true that, um, you know, real estate people, but, but most of us in general, I think, are always looking for what to think. What should I think about the election? What should I think about the economy? What should I think about this? And, you know, we do live in a little bit of a soundbite world. Um, and, and it's always been this way. This is not just like the modern world, but it's certainly more... Um, prevalent, I think, in 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 today's uh, the the way we configure our our day to day living. We know we often just have to know what to say and and what to think. But I think Worthshop does a very good job, and and perhaps you know I hope perhaps some of this is some influence I've had, but it, a lot of it has to do with just the way you've configured the different speakers and the physical environment, and the experiences. Um, it is about getting people to. Um, examine how they think, um, and and that is for me at least a lot of what I've always been asked to do with groups: think differently about what it means as a salesperson, as a presenter, as a you know incubating or generating business. You know, I've always tried to take the a different path, whatever those things were, because um, as you say, it becomes a sort of um, weird conversation where everyone knows exactly what the next person is going to say, and I already know what the top five apps are and the 
top 10 snappy comebacks for difficult sellers are. And you think, <laughs> well, why, why am I going to that conference again? Um, and, and, you know, look, there's a need for some training in that area. But at the end of the day, you're going to get into a conversation with someone, whether they're a client or your boss or your spouse, and you're not going to have a script or a dialogue that's going to solve um, the problem or get to the meat of the um, a conversation. And that's where thinking matters. And, and I think right. that at Worthsharp, you know, Worthsharp, we do this, right? But this is what I do every day. Like every day my phone rings and someone says, Matt, we're struggling with this. And what do you, you know, what do you think? And I literally say, well, let me, let me call you back in an hour or a day or a week and tell you what I think. And just to give you a really simple example, you know, I just spent a really wonderful afternoon with an organization talking about leads conversion. And so here's this typical problem all over again. And you know, the funny thing was, I just said, if you give me permission, I'm going to solve your problem in a way that you never thought you'd, you'd solve. And so we basically, uh, I put some photographs up on the screen again. And I said, tell me what these photographs have to do with lead conversion. And like 300 people in the room were all scratching their heads. What is this guy talking about, etc.? And I said, well, if you look at leads as only leads, then, you know, these photographs don't mean anything. But if you look at leads as the reason you go to work every day and you really care about your career, if you believe what you do is important and noble and purposeful, then every lead you get is the noble purpose of your work. Oh, and by the way, if you get to choose your work, which we get to choose in the speaking business or philosophy or real estate, then what you're really doing is you're seeing a lead as an opportunity to get to the real reason you work. And the real reason I work is because I get to choose who to hang out with and I also get to go to amazing places and those places form the backdrop of my personal passion for photography. I said, so every lead for me is a potential photograph somewhere that I'll get to take. You know, because in the speaking business, a lead is a call to go to Hawaii or to Florence or to New York or to wherever, Birmingham, and bring my camera and speak to some people. And, you know, the funny thing was at first, you know, the audience wasn't, entirely getting it. But as we unfolded that conversation, I said, it's about how you think about leads, not how you just use a checklist to react to them or a technology to drown them in communication. It's about your attitude and your process of thinking about leads. And I said, and let's just discard the world. What, what do leads ultimately become? Will they become clients? And what do clients become? Well, you know, Matt, they become you. They become my friend. They become someone who's part of your life for a long time, maybe all of your life. So if every lead you get is actually a potential new part of your life knocking on the door, I think it completely changes how you think about that part of your business. And the same thing is true, whatever we're trying to deal with, whether we're trying to run a business or we're trying to um, you know, grow a sales a salesperson as as an owner or as a mentor or just ourselves personally. You know, like what you think and how you think aren't necessarily um, they're not necessarily things we work on all the time. And that is really why I love Workshop because it's sort of a set aside time, at least once a year. Um, I try to you know set that time aside. Frequently, I do it through just you know journaling and writing or whatever. Um, but it's a set aside time to go have an experience where you can 
say, well, what was my thinking like this year? What's it like today? How could it be different? And can I give myself permission for a few days at least to expand the boundaries of those thoughts? And that's why, honestly, Workshop doesn't have the typical themes that other conferences have. It doesn't have the typical speakers that um, other conferences have. And even when there are speakers that we've seen before, they bring up things that just you won't find on an ordinary conference agenda. And that's what makes it special because they're opportunities and they continue to be opportunities to just think differently, not just leave with a, a checklist, if you will. It's so interesting. It's, it's almost become a discipline. I mean, so WordShop, like a lot of the other things we've endeavored to do, sort of has a life of its own. And, and mm -hmm. it started with this kind of, you know, earnest, naive idea that then took its own direction and shape. And I think with that discipline of how to think and going, your comment about these, the speakers who maybe you already have heard, uh, like I, for example, we had Brad Inman last year of Inman News and Inman Connect. And he, so he, on stage, I, I went back and listened to that. It was just sort of me kind of interviewing him to kick it off. And if you talk about inside baseball, it certainly wasn't inside, you know, the practice of real estate at all, but it was definitely a deep dive into, you know, his mind and world. And some of it was like, stuff that I think we kind of commonly, I mean, we were talking about blockchain and, you know, what's going on with, with data integrity around and, and it was a little, it was very, very much in Brad's wheelhouse and it was a little heady, but I think it's, it's the, it's the sort of left or whatever, right brain kind of left field, whatever curveballs of asking these presenters to leave their realm just a little bit and, and not be the kind of rank and file. Um, here's my, you know, here's my top 10 things that blah, blah, blah. And so I, I, I'm so appreciating that discipline and I'm, it's also kind of having a, I think an impact on me personally watching it evolve and, and kind of become its own thing. It's like having well, a, a little child in a way. Well, think about, let me put my photographer's hat on for a second, which is, you know, I don't, it sort of just blends in with what I do and, um, you know, one of the things that photographers seem to do, we don't even know how we do it, I guess, or at least I'll just speak for myself. I don't know how I do it, but I see things in the same space that dozens of other people might be standing, hundreds of other people might be standing, but I see the thing that no one else sees. Yeah. Um, and then if I'm really lucky, I've captured it on a camera, but mostly, you know, I can't tell you how many pictures I've only captured in my mind. Wished my camera could have been fast enough. Um, but, you know, what photographers do is they look at a scene and they select what to, what to focus on. They compose it right. and, and they capture it. Well, this is true, um, you know, for presenters. This is true for us as people. You know, this is as business owners. This is my composition of the organization I want to have and the people I want in the picture and the scene that will set and the dark and the light and how it shades what we'll do and what we won't do, right? And we call that culture in business. But, you know, it's just a photography. It's just an image. 
And it's, what, it's sort of a, it's like an ontological distinction if you think about it, right? Because you're, you know, the way that you be, who you are as a photographer looking at a scene, it's just totally different than who someone is not not being a photographer, right? You Like you said, you see things differently. You see things completely that others just don't see. Uh, and, and even to the level of, of the information that you have about things like texture and contrast and color and depth and, you know, all, all of those things that just literally aren't distinguished for people who don't have those distinctions, right? So like a detective at a crime scene is another great example, right? A detective at a crime scene is seeing all kinds of stuff that you and I would have no idea what we're looking at, and they're kind of in the process of deciphering it. You know, I gave a, a, a talk about creativity uh, at a, a turn-on event, and it was sort of a client event in, in Portland. It was about the frustration that I see with people who don't really know how to, I might be tipping the hand a little bit, but don't really know how to judge creative work because mm-hmm. they are not in creative work themselves, right? So, uh, and it's like a taste thing. Like I always say taste is informed. Like if you're, if you really are a high level architect, you know what you're looking at. You know what, <laughs> what, what quality architecture is. The same, same in, so, you know, with creative work or with say photography. And I think what's happened for me and I hope with you know, other attendees at Worthshop is that we're starting to flex these muscles or, or get some reps in of of that how to think and how to be and, and we're learning what that feels like so that when we approach all of those things that might be relevant to our business and fine, maybe it is lead generation or lead conversion or or sales or you know, the real kind of block and tackle fundamentals that we come at it kind of from that space that you're talking about, which is starting with how to think and how we think about it and letting that that work, that getting those reps in, perform for us before we get into all of the other stuff that's a little more rote and a little, frankly, more mindless about mm-hmm. approaching those things. I hope that's what we're doing anyway. Well, I, I think it definitely is because, first of all, you have a lot of people who come every year, and even though the speakers change and the theme change, uh, I think they continue to just want to surround themselves in the environment and surround themselves in this. It's sort of a, a, a moment out of time is what happens at Workshop so that they can get those reps and they can practice that. Um, you know, the irony is that we're all taking snapshots all the time. We're all interpreting the world according to our uh, essential premises. You know, we have every one of us has a sort of metaphysical background. Uh, we under, we, we look at the universe. We, we say, this is good for me. This is not good for me. This is good for my business. This is not good for my business. This is right. This is wrong. I think it worth shopping. And I think part of that is what I personally try to bring out in my contributions is to just become more aware of it. You know, you as a photographer, you 
not every photo is a great photo. Thousands of photos are, are dreadful uh, because you have to exercise the ability to capture a good moment and to, uh, uh, to see it and to express it. And I think that's true for all of us. We need to work on our skill and strengthen our ability to apply different ideas, different perspectives, different angles, um, and entirely different um, uh, uh, content, if you will, to the challenges of our business or of our uh, of just you know really building our lives because our business is just one of the rungs of the ladder of the thing we're calling our our life, if you will. And so, um, what I love about Workshop is that there are a lot of different inputs. You know, there are the inputs of the people who are there. Um, there are the inputs of the theme or the topic. There's the physical space, you know, uh, one of the amazing things about Workshop, and I, I really firmly believe this, is that it is intimately tied to Hawaii. It's an intimately tied to the, to the space in which it happens. We, we would probably never be able to recreate it in uh, other space, a convention space or a, right. a hotel, right. you know, like a hotel where the inside and the outside don't blend together, a, a metropolitan place. I mean, I think Workshop is a place that has to occur in Hawaii or a Renaissance location or an adventure space, if you will, because there's that, that relationship between where you are. And so when you think about the attendees, you know, they're coming and I think they realize they're coming to break out of um, informational um, thinking, transactional thinking, um, process-driven thinking, and they're instead coming to just say, hey, let's open up the whole semantic map, right? Let's look at all the possible things that could help me be, well, let's not even say be better, just help me grow. Um, and be open to that. And of course, you have to be in the physical environment where openness is literally the um, the best way to, exp um, um, in my mind, to uh, to capture what it means to be in Hawaii. It's an open right. space. Yeah, there's certainly something to be said for. Uh, obviously, we've had it, and you know, started. It started as this sort of luxury real estate conference, and I put that in quotations because over the years, that's the, the luxury sort of. I wouldn't say it's it's gone away, but it's kind of faded into its own obviousness. Uh, and then uh, the real estate part is there, obviously because of the attendees, but for all the reasons we've been discussing, it's it's less you know real estate specific, and it's gotten more, even from a content perspective, kind of you know, brand and and how to think and uh, there's been design elements and all sorts of different stuff, and that the world of hosting and and a really great venue and a and obviously, you know, at a beachfront location when the ocean's there and there's oxygen everywhere and the sun's coming up early and it's beautiful. And, and I think also for us, there's a time of year element to it too where, uh, and super candidly, I mean, you know, really that was almost serendipity because that's sort of the low season in Hawaii. So we get great room rates because no one's here. And so it was always <laughs> like, well, if you're going to have a conference, go in a low season, you know, so it's been great because like this year, for example, we're going to a brand new four seasons and it's like more than 50% off. So, right. I mean, there's just no way you're getting that venue for this price 
but it's it's the same thing. It's beachfront. It's gorgeous. It's and it's and it's also the end of the year, so you're it, you've got that sort of reset quality to it. So it, all well, of that has kind of happened circumstantially. And not only the reset quality. What I personally uh, try to do, and I I hear this from other attendees, um, is the reflection part as well. So I think of every workshop as a kind of um, uh, gateway, if you will. You know, it's a sort of like um, arch through which if I look one way, I can look back on my year. You know, what did I do right. this year? How, how did I do it? Was I happy? Was I, uh, did I meet my goals? Did I, whatever. And then it's sort of another arch through which I can see some glimpses actually of the oncoming future. But it's also, you know, kind of nebulous. It's like that horizon that you see in Hawaii. And it's sort of like, uh, you know, it gets misty towards the real distant. And you're not quite sure what's over there. And that's, that's cool because, you know, you're, you don't want it to be too specific. You know, you're not sure where the wind w- will take you in a sense. Um, or where you're, or where you will purposely steer, if you will. So I really think of it as sort of archway, um, period for us. It, being at the end of the year is actually very fortuitous because doing that in the middle of the year, just because the, you know, the West is so driven by a calendar and so driven by quarters and things like that, it, right. it, it's not out. quite as effective. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's not quite as effective. But, but I do think there's, there, all of that comes together, right? It's a, it's a really, um, a, con- a congruent series of things that you've, you've put together. And then, um, rather than just looking at it as a sort of, uh, hey, let's you know get organized and redo our SWOT analyses and our marketing right, plan, business plan and all right, of that, right. instead it just says, hey, come here, you know, as you've been for the year, look back on it, think about what you could be for next year, and uh, you know, be, be open to those possibilities. So we have a. I want to ask, and this will give the listeners a, a sort of curious insight into, you know, how the sausage is made in a way. Uh, but, you know, you've agreed to MC this year, which is huge for me because it, for, for a host of reasons, some of which are you know, political and some other just, just intellectual kind of psychic ram that it takes off the table. We have an interesting uh, sort of dichotomy developing. And this, this will, you know, I'm going to ask you kind of in real time what you think about how to handle it. So we've got really brilliant keynotes. And, you know, for everyone, everyone, I think, hopefully listening to this knows our theme this year is relate. And there's always the sort of, you know, overt, obvious uh, version of that, which is, you know, relate and the importance of relationships and, and how they play into business. And and also the verb of it, you know, it's an activity. It's a, something you have to be responsible for and be in action about. But we're also going to do a very deep dive into relationship cultures and the value systems that relationship cultures have and how distinct they are often from a more sort of uh, individualistic, uh, often Western uh, kind of American dream, anybody can do it, entrepreneurial style culture. And you know, I'm generalizing a little bit because obviously there are you know, tons of distinctions inside of, of relationship cultures. You know, the, the the cultures that have influenced Hawaii over the years of, of there's the the Polynesian uh, you know, Hawaiian culture, and then just 
centuries of, of immigration of, you know, Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, Portuguese. Uh, so, and they, they have their own value sets and their own relationship cultures. And Hawaii is in this sort of destiny of, of dealing with that world and the, the Western world. And, you know, I always use the analogy of like gears, like sometimes those two gears come together and they, they groove and it makes a, a beautiful engine and it's, it's incredible to watch. And sometimes sparks fly, you know, they grind and mm-hmm. it's a challenge. And so that's a conversation that we're really teed up to be in with, with a great, great roster of speakers at sort of the keynote level. But we're taking a risk. And the risk in, in the afternoons is that for the breakouts, we're doing these these all these breakouts are all different panels. So we've got recurring panels of luxury brokers, uh, C-suite panels, which is like uh, you know C, largely CEOs and COOs, and then a design panel. And of course, I'm like totally less worried about the design panel, but I'm worried about panels in general because panels are just inherently risky. I mean, sometimes they're great and sometimes they just absolutely suck because <laughs> there's all the weirdness of like how, who gets the speaking time and do I have to cut her off? And like, are we, you know, uh, it, and then also it, 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 so much of it falls on the moderator. But what I, what I so want your comment on is how do we avoid going straight to the common denominator of just like back to what to do with, with the questions in the moderation and like what kinds of curveballs can we come up with? And this will, I'm sure will be an ongoing conversation for us, but what kind of curveballs can we come up with for, you know, a panel of luxury brokers that get us back to like relationships and how to think, you know, that's, well, that's a fun conversation to be at. I, I, so I think about it. Um, well, I think about it not from, uh, the perspective that it will be very easy to uh, fall into basic checklist conversations um, or prepared um, uh, points that all the panelists want to make. But I think about it more in terms of can we give the panelists permission not to do that? And so right. that's where the, the questions are so important. You know, I think about relate, which is our theme, um, in terms of the things that you've just said, how relationship cultures act, how they're different, how they mesh or sometimes work against each other. But I also think of the term relate, and maybe this is just the wordsmith in me, you know, the, the concepts of um, of relating, retelling, recounting, if you will. That's right. Um, you know, or, or, yeah, coming back to narrating again. You know, when you asked me to do the M- MC role, <clears throat> oftentimes my role is, and, and this is a really old word, but I'll see if I can just explain it, but my, my role is as the sort of Karagos, if you will, the interpreter. Karagos is this classic role in, in Shakespearean um, uh, theater where, you know, Shakespeare would write these amazing plays and the actors would say their lines and the audience would say, well, what? what? What did they say? Like, nobody speaks like that, not even the people of Shakespeare's time. And Caragos was the interpreter. He would, 
interpret, literally stand between the play and the audience and say, this is what you heard. This is what is going on. And as an MC, I often think about my role being Carago, saying, wow, this is what we just heard from just an amazing thinker, a keynote who took us down a, a path we hadn't thought about. Well, part of what I planned to do is make sure that those um, themes from the keynotes come to the panels, you know, to be able to say to the panels, you know, before we jump into some things that, you know, I think we do need to talk about, they're expected to, to explore, you know, let's immediately go to relate. How did you just relate? How do you see what you do in relationship to what that speaker just said to us? How do you see what the way you work or the way you build relationships or the way you create value or your value system in relation to what you just heard. So I think what has always happened at Workshop, but I, I hope we'll do, you know, more purposefully with this risk we're taking with the panels is to make it a real time response, make it a real time experience. You know, when, when I'm sitting in the audience and I'm hearing a presenter, you know, I'm usually either whispering to the person next to me or, you know, maybe jotting a note and I'm interpreting in real time what they're saying to me. Well, I think we can bring that out um, with, you know, the beauty of the panel is suddenly three or four minds are on stage, four or five minds are on stage. And I think okay. that's part of, you know, that's part of the questioning process. Part of the questioning process is to say, you know, our, our initial impulse was to ask this question of the panel, but based on what we just heard, I'm going to ask the question a little differently. And uh, I actually think that panelists will feel greatly relieved for a chance to just say what they know um, and have it come out more naturally than to worry about, well, I know the five questions they're going to ask, and I've thought of right. the exact way <laughs> to look awesome when I say my response, you know? Right. So it's sort of, it's sort of like asking each individual panelist of which, you know, there will be many to do what you did at workshop three, which is kind of be present, uh, pay attention, surmise all this. And, and then really I, there is, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I know for myself there would be uh, freedom in it, but it, I think it also depends on, on the, the people, but, one thing about panels, I think at the attendee level, at the panelist level, there is some ease and freedom about being in conversation and kind of live riffing than there is like, okay, you know, you've got five or ten minutes on stage and you're standing up there by yourself and there's a bunch of bright lights on you and you won't be able to see the audience yeah. and tell us your top ten reasons why blah, blah, blah. You know, like that's much harder to perform. Well, part of that is also why, you know, I think about – you ever just watch some really great, a great conversation, maybe on TV or something? I, I kind of liken it to the difference between watching a typical news program where they have three minutes to talk about a globally important issue, and we will have one person yelling from this direction and one person yelling from that direction. Of course, nothing comes out of right, that. Right. And then I, <laughs> I think about other news shows. Remember those shows like Frontline or, or even just – 
you know, the fact that on the, the news hour, on, on PBS's news hour, you know, and, and there's a lot I love about it and a lot I don't love about it, but what I do love about the way PBS approaches it is they say, we have an hour, so let's talk about two things for an hour. Or three right. things let's go long. For an hour. Yeah. Let's go yeah. long. Let's have a guest for 17 minutes talk right. to us, and let's not freak out that we have to break to a commercial to sell digestive cookies um, when we can instead get deeper into something and maybe at least create some real value. Well, I kind of see that um, as just the norm at Workshop anyways. And you know, the funny thing is, and this I think is just, we can't control it, but it happens so beautifully, is that that's exactly what happens during the breaks and that's exactly what happens at the dinners well, and that's, you know, it's like this sort I of, I mean, group I really interpretation happens. Yeah, that's right. And I would say like the, the drum circle in the parking lot is almost competing with the, the band on stage. It's like the the value. I really got this last year because we were we were really light on ticket sales. It, there was a rush at the end, so it kind of filled in and it looked like any normal workshop. But we were probably, I think the year that we've been talking about, the third year, was probably the highest ticket sales we've had, which was, I don't know, somewhere like, I'm going to guess it was like 340 or 350. And then last Mm -hmm. year it was more like 285. But the quality of conversation and the attendee, these people wanted to be there and they were so into it. I mean, it was great. Do you remember the the very end? So we had, remember the very end where we had John Picard and and Hank Rogers. Yeah. Hank Rogers, and they just went over, you know, first of all, they, they brought up the lights, they jumped off the stage, they were just like leaning on the stage. I mean, John was, ha- you know, virtually himself, bring- well, he brought the audience to tears, but he was, you know, himself so like passionate and he just, he didn't, he went through material that he knew he he went through topics that were critical to him but he did it in a way that just was so close and engaged to the audience and we went really way over time i mean time right. became right. a non-issue and nobody moved i mean people would have we they would have stayed all night we could have Which just you, ordered ordered in and kept that's going right. <laughs> and if you think about that from a from a booking perspective Right. That's the hardest spot. That's when everyone's falling asleep. They're ready for cocktails. They want to. That's the hardest spot to fill. Yet this audience was just literally at the edge of their seat, and and so into it. And then it sparked this whole like their whole rest of the day it was like everyone's all just eyes wide open, running around. So that's that I think is really that's it's validating and it's great and it's like the the conference that you know we want to attend. And, and in a way, it's a selfish kind of. Uh, creation and that we we get to we get to kind of take the cream off of all of these all these other events and build this wonderful thing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you know look it's a it's a labor of love and it's not like we certainly don't make money doing it but it's it, it is hugely hugely valuable and it's it's sort of like a gift that keeps giving so yeah I know I hope that's all not too self congratulatory but. <laughs> No, I, I don't think really, so at all. I think really it, it is a it, it is a unique experience. It creates a, amazingly different outcomes than people would typically think about. 
Uh, it has a lasting effect. You and I are not the only ones who say, do you remember Workshop 3? Do you remember 4? Do you remember right. Rose's conversation last year, which was might have only been 40 minutes, but like such an amazing impact it had? So true. Um, yeah. You, you know, these little, little moments actually become integrated. And let's be honest, this is not what happens at, you know, a typical training event, a workshop, or even some conferences. I mean, some conferences, you might have a moment where it really does resonate with people, but uh, I, I just through my travels, I'm meeting all the time with people who have been at, you know, three years ago, two years ago, um, maybe skipped one, um, and they still have the sort of resonant effect. There's like a little bit of afterglow, if you will, that's still part of their lives from these experiences. It, it really and, is different than anything else. And that's what, what I really want. You know, I don't want to have the the diet and exercise January experience where right. you know you you're you're sort of you apply something and then it fades. I want and I want epiphanies and you know really radical transformation if we can get it. You know, and and I, I think so far well, we've been really saved by the speakers and the content. Saved isn't the right word, but but just it's we've been lucky and blessed. You know, it's been great. Well, it's true, but but I also will just I want to go back to the fact that it also happens, like I said, uh, after hours. It happens at the That's lunch right. table. A lot yeah. of epiphanies, in a way, workshop. Yeah, the attendees create them, and it's sort of like we fertilize the conversation through the guests right. and through the topics right. and and the physical space, and and then you know what the blooms happen on their own. And s some people have said to me, you know. I, I go there, I have the experience, um, and it could be on the flight home, it could be a week later, because that's how the brain works. You know, the brain is just so amazing. Uh, we'll, we'll, we take in so much information, and then it's later. You know, you're in the shower, and that one thing jumps into your mind, and, and that's okay. Uh, it's not as if you will necessarily have the entire experience over those two days. That experience, well, the ripples will happen and you'll have, something will happen in your life two months later and it could be in a deal, it could be in your personal life, or it could be just something you see as you're walking down the street and a lightning connection to what happened at Worthshop um, will suddenly be formed. And those kinds of learning, by the way, those kinds of um, impacts on people's lives are permanent. You know, they're not just flashes in the pan. Um, right. They become sort of a, a permanent connection in their mind that, that doesn't go away. It literally changes, you know, sort of who they who are, are in, in a good right. way. It goes back yeah. to that ontological part. Like it gives you exactly. a different way of looking at things. Yeah. Exactly. Well, my friend, thank you so much. This is, I, I you've got me uh, now uh, really excited for December and uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that you've agreed to, to be our MC. It'll, it'll provide a ton. Uh, I don't know if you listen to, uh, I've become like a, a, a avid podcast listener. And one of them that I, I subscribe to is called the art of charm. Uh, and he, they book it. This is a very popular podcast. They get a ton of really brilliant guests. We just yesterday, I just got uh Jordan Harbinger is the host of that podcast to agree to come speak. So I think he'll be great. He's right in line with all of this. He's very much a, uh, he's a, he's, a perfect candidate for this year especially so that's going to be a ton of fun um and we, like like i say i think at the at the keynote level we are really really strong 
and then we have to kind of engineer this the the panel stuff which i think with your point about the freedom that's going to be really well well taken i think we got the right people so i'm psyched it's going to be a really really fun event well i am too i mean i think i have i have very high hopes for for it only because we've been so successful every time beforehand and you know when i say we my part has been really little you know i have the beauty of being mc and interpreting as we go this year but you know you and your team put so much work into it but it has shown every single time and so i'm i'm really excited i'm i'm also excited um in a way that we keep experimenting with the format and i think that's um it's necessary but it's also a gift to the attendees you know that we we don't take the conference um, you don't take the conference for granted and just sort of say oh yeah you know run the tracks like like last year or whatever you really put thought into every moment of experience that they will have um, and so that I think is uh, something that people who attend will feel and appreciate and uh, note that you know, you care about every single one who is in attendance, not just the total number that happened to show up. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fabulous. Some of that, too, is given by the, the venue. I mean, we really are. We're working mm-hmm. in a new venue, and it's a brand new uh, Four Seasons, right? So it's a, the, the building itself has been just totally, radically remodeled. But, it's you know, it, you really can. It's like you have to kind of work within – the, the parameters of what that building permits. So like there's a uh, there's a there's a brand new they built a brand new chapel where it's a beautiful thing like ocean view chapel and it's like right in the middle of their whole scene. So we're gonna do like morning meditations, you know, just nice. available, not not prescribed, but like morning meditations in the chapel from you know seven to whenever. So that's the kind of stuff that's like great that we get to like play with having a new venue. So. Well, yeah, and if we'll you do... remember, if you remember from a few years ago, I think one of my closing points actually referenced, um, you know, the venue and saying like, you know, sometimes that experience that changes your whole day and your whole perspective is the excitement of the person who is not just taking your room service order, but is making you anticipate its delivery, anticipate enjoying it. And in a way, I think that's what everything leading up to this year is all about. We've lined up amazing people. We've lined up an amazing venue. We are committed to an experience, not just uh, an agenda. And so in a sense, I'm really excited. I feel like, I kind of feel like that room service attendance is not not only saying, please, please order from me, but oh my gosh, you are going to love eating this. You're going to love it when I deliver it. So that, that's kind of what I feel and, like. It's sort of selfish too. Like I feel like I'm gonna love eating it. You know what I mean? I, I it, it's a strange feeling, but it's it really is a, a co-created uh, kind of geek out that we get to we get to play with. So I, I know it's gonna it'll, it'll go off. It's gonna be a ton of fun. All right, my friend. Well, I know I think we're on an hour here, so I want to just acknowledge you and say thank you and. Um, I'm so excited and thrilled for this, and I, I hopefully this this ongoing uh, conversation sort of rings for the uh, people who listen to it, and everyone comes out and enjoys a wonderful experience with us. Oh, I I absolutely know they will, and I appreciate just being a little part of it. 
for me, it's been one long series of experiences, so it, it really hasn't stopped or, or ended. And so December is in my sights, and I really um, uh, I look forward to just stepping down off the plane again and getting right back into the spirit of workshop. So nice. All right, my friends. Mahalo, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. See you soon.